What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Welcome to another episode of the number one ranked show. Today, we're going to talk with Kyle Trask about his NFL draft process, what his last year at Florida was like, and what Florida fans should be looking forward to come the 2021 season. I know there are folks that have their doubts, but Trask is not one of them. Going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft and how it has gone so far and some guys that I think you should keep your eye on as we progress through the later rounds. But with that in mind, how we feel about, you know, a way too early NFL 2022 mock draft because I'm here for it and I really love doing these things. Please grade me, keep notes, let me know what I got wrong and we'll talk about it. Also, I'm going to remind you what I got right. So just fair is fair there. All right. So with that in mind, I want to go 32 to one, taking a look at the best prospects in this draft. And yes, I'm doing it in this way because yeah, we want to build here, right? We want to have some fun with this. And this draft order is according to the NFL draft, well, not draft, but Super Bowl odds, according to Fox Bet. So you can go check that out at foxbet.com. So the team that is getting the best odds to win the Super Bowl is going 32. You get how we do. Kansas City Chiefs at there at plus 550 if you are, you know, into the wager. And I looked at this and I said, what do the Kansas City Chiefs need? I mean, they, they played in the Super Bowl. You all know that. They have the Michael Jordan of the sport in Patrick Mahomes. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, you know what I remember most about the Super Bowl? It's not Tom Brady being preternatural. No, it's not that. It's not that PVANM defensive end Quentin Bell got himself a ring. No, it's not that. It's not even that Antoine Winfield Jr. got to hug Antoine Winfield Sr. in the middle of the field after celebrating winning the Super Bowl. No. It's that Pat Mahomes was out there running for his life, okay? You can't have that. And it was so bad that Pat Mahomes went in front of media, people like me, to say, yo, can y'all get me a little offensive line help here? Hey, can, can I get some of that? Can y'all do that thing where y'all black? And when you looked at the offensive line and you looked at the starters, you were like, I don't know any of those cats. And I mean, I get that most people aren't really following the offensive line the way that perhaps I follow the offensive line, but you got to know names. And if you don't know any of the names, you know they can't protect that dude from the likes of Indominus Sue, from the likes of Shaq Barrett. You know that those men are going to eat, and that's exactly what they did. So I think that the Kansas City Chiefs should invest in protecting their CEO, their half-billion-dollar quarterback, and go get Mississippi State offensive line, offensive tackle, Charles Cross, who is a former five-star recruit, Every bit of six foot five, 305 pounds. He's going to grow a little bit more. He's long, he's lean, he's athletic. And I think he's the kind of guy that you're going to have a great opportunity to grow up and make into a dominant left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs and perhaps get back to Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. I mean, if the Patriots could do it for so long, why couldn't the Kansas City Chiefs? All right. So at number 31, according to the odds, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to be right back in there with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see how that goes. But knowing what we know, plus 750, I'm looking at what do the Kansas City Chiefs need because they have this bevy of delicious assortments at wide receiver, at tight end. The offensive line is in great shape. I mean, you heard me wax poetic about Tristan Wirfs. That dude got a ring as a rookie, which, you know, doesn't even seem fair, quite honestly. And then you look at what they have at DB. You look at what they have at linebacker. Devin White is a monster. What do they need? They need a succession plan is what they need, okay? Now, 
Maybe it goes the way that it went for Logan Roy because you got Tom Brady at quarterback and he's just, he ain't into it, right? He ain't into it. But for that matter, neither was Aaron Rodgers. It's working for you. So perhaps just go draft another quarterback. It's okay. What else do you need? You go get free agency. I think you take a pass on really trying to add to that backfield and go get a quarterback that can grow up underneath the GOAT. And the quarterback, I think, has the tools to be great, has the arrogance to be great, has the confidence to be great. It's Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy. Purdy was the kind of guy showed up to Iowa State and was getting huffy with Matt Campbell about not being able to play right away, so much so that they had to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting. They had to go talk some things out. And now what has Brock Purdy become but the quarterback of what is the greatest Iowa State football team of all time? They got their first major bowl win in the Fiesta Bowl against an Oregon team that I thought was pretty good and won a Pac-12 championship. So go get a guy that you think can emulate, can learn from, and grow up to be your next Tom Brady if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, at number 30, the Green Bay Packers, right, got plus 2,000 or plus 1,000 odds, excuse me, to win the Super Bowl. We know that Aaron Rodgers is their guy going forward. We also understand that he's got a monster out there at wide receiver, and they're getting better on defense. I think what you do is you go invest in protecting Aaron Rodgers because he's going the way of Tom Brady, all right? He's going to keep playing this game until he can no longer play this game, and that might be a long time. Just ask Jordan Love how that feels. Go get an offensive lineman that is going to help you with a guy like David Bakatiari, Mr. Two Beers. Uh, Utah gave me two, right? Because y'all all remember the Milwaukee Bucks game. My man took a beer and, like, chugged it like it was nobody's business, and it was perhaps the most athletic thing that I've ever seen anybody do. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers could not keep up tells you a lot. I mean, that's an NFL MVP that couldn't keep up with the offensive lineman. Go get a guy that you could pair with Bakatiari, but also a guy that could replace him in Rashid Walker. Offensive lineman out of Penn State, returning for his senior year. One of the things that I really love about that guy is he's going to have an opportunity to play with Mike Yersich, calling the plays. We'll see if Sean Clifford is the guy that we think he is for Penn State. This is a big year for James Franklin and Penn State. You got Jahan Dotson out there. You got Noah Kane in the backfield. Perhaps this is the year for Rasheed Walker to let everybody know, hey, I got it, okay? Not only can Walker walk him down like Nancy Sinatra in a new pair of boots, Shout out to my moms, who's going to get that reference. But that extra year of football is really going to help him separate, and I'm really into it. Okay, so at number 29, thank you. I can't even count, apparently. But at number 29, plus 1,200 to win the Super Bowl. Let's go with the Buffalo Bills, okay? So the Buffalo Bills have a pretty outstanding and athletic quarterback in Josh Jaheim Allen, because that's how he out there playing the game. You know what I mean? He running around. He making it happen. Somebody said, hey, man, you are fast, and you could throw a football over them mountains. What if we just, you know, let you do that? And they let that man do that. And now that you have two Decepticons out there, right, and Stephon Diggs, who caught 127 passes last year, and Cole Beasley, who has got enough confidence to be out there rapping and letting people listen to it, add another pass-catching type to that, right? You look at their third leading receiver, you'll see a tailback. You'll see Devin Motor Singletary with 38 catches. That can't be it, right? Your tight end has to be one of your best pass catchers and really a walking mismatch. I think it is the most underrated position on the offense. So go get you a guy 
who has made it his job to go catch passes at the tight end position, and it's not who you're thinking about. And I was really, really annoyed not to see this man talked about more. Boston College tight end Hunter Long, okay? So Long has all the tools that you would want and need. He's big, he's fast, he's tall, six foot five, about 250. But the thing that I love most about him is what the, he was able to do at BC, all right? So not only is he one of the best tight ends in the country last year, he was the first dude at Boston College to earn All-America honors, right? Since Luke Keekley. That was 10 years ago. That is the, that, that's Captain America for some, right? That's one of the great linebackers of the game. But more than that, he's the first tight end to win such honors at BC since Pete Mitchell in 1994 and Mark Chamura in 91. And Mark Chamura was an old man when I was a child, okay? Like, what are we even doing with this? But BC is putting them out. And I understand if you're not wanting to buy into that, it's, take some time. Watch the eye in the sky, you know what I mean? Let, let the tight end show out for a little bit more. You're gonna see him in the ACC and come back to me, okay? Number 28, let's go with the Lions who are getting this via the Los Angeles Rams who have made it apparently their job to trade away all these things because what's first round pick to them, you know what I mean? Plus 1,500 for the Rams, by the way, since you keep his score. I think the Lions are gonna be in the, in the market for a quarterback, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but at this pick, Feels like you should go get a wide out, okay? Because one of your best pass catchers was actually a tight end. Like, they got the inverse problem of the Buffalo Bills. I'm all for TJ Hawkinson, okay? I'm for most Iowa tight ends, quite honestly. Noah Fant and, of course, the man George Kittle. But I think you need somebody that can stretch the field. And I think you need somebody that can take the top off defense, not unlike Robbie Anderson down at the Carolinas, okay? So what you do is you go back to this wide receiver conveyor belt that they built over there at Tuscaloosa, and you say, who up next, okay? Because we didn't see Jerry Judy, we didn't see Henry Ruggs, we didn't see Jalen Waddle, we didn't see Devontae Smith. Who is next on the list? John Mechie, okay? Now, I get it. Some of y'all gonna do that thing where you talk about people being short, and since this is a short king show, I'm not gonna let you do that, all right? We here for the short kings, okay? We're here for the Nate Robinsons. We're here for the Spud Webbs. And we're here for the John Mechies, okay? The third leading receiver on a dominant national championship team. Had 44 catches? No, 55 catches, excuse me, for 916 yards receiving. Just, goodness, can I do the math on the fly? 84 yards short. 1,000-yard season with Devontae Smith having 1,856 of his own, right? You know what it is. I think that you pair John Mechie with a quarterback we'll talk about here in a little bit later, and you let those two men cook. Because Detroit, I'm tired of you being sorry. I know you're tired of being sorry, but I'm tired of you being sorry because I'm making jokes about you. And I've been making jokes about you since I was a child, okay? Barry Sanders was so good, you didn't even have the offensive line. You didn't even have them, right? You didn't need to have them. Please, do something to help me help you, all right? Number 27. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, okay? I look at Baltimore, and I think you want somebody that can catch passes from Lamar, and I think that's something they're going to address in free agency and in the 21 draft, right? But when I look at that defense, I see dudes that they like but aren't necessarily able to hold on to. And I'm not talking about defensive line. I'm not talking about secondary, right? I'm talking about in the middle. 
And I really love what they were able to do with guys like Matt Judon, right? I also love that they re-up with Tyus Bowser, right? $22 million a year, $12 million that is guaranteed because find me another linebacker who had three sacks and three interceptions last season. I'll wait. You come up with zero? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's my point there. You want versatility. You want a guy that can pass rush and can pick off passes. This is why I think you go with Oklahoma outside linebacker Nick Benito. Benito's a little bit skinny for the position, six foot three, about 234 pounds, but he's a late bloomer who came on strong in 2020. But also what I remember is the man was breaking out 2019 and a little game against Baylor on the road, which might be the greatest comeback in the history of Oklahoma football. You can just throw it out there for a little bit. Benito has a great year this year. He's probably going to rise up this board. He probably won't be around, but if he is, go get you a dude that you can line up on the edge and you can line up in the middle in Nick Benito. All right, let's move on to our next one, which is the 27, San Francisco 49ers, 26. I think it's 26. Yeah, yeah, we're up to 26. I'm moving pretty quick. Plus 1,500 to win the Super Bowl. I will see. I got, I got to see about the quarterback. But you know what I know? I know that life without Robert Sala as your defensive coordinator is about to get tough, and you're about to find out how tough. I know that Richard Sherman is not getting any younger. And I know that you just re-up with Jason Verrett, okay? Why not go back to the well? Why not go back to Texas Christian? Ask Gary Patterson what's really good. Who do you really like? I tell you, because the dude was an All-American in the second team, okay? Travis Hodges Tomlinson, cornerback, okay? Didn't have nearly an INT in 2020, but it doesn't matter because when you watch the film, you'll see a guy that is on wide receivers like white on rice, like milk on a paper plate in a snowstorm. You understand what the pedigree is at Texas Christian as well. Trayvon Morig, anybody. I already just mentioned for you Jason, Bar Jason Barrett. I think we're in a great position here for the Niners to really rebuild that pass defense that hasn't been as good as its pass rush. And if they can play the kind of defense they were able to play just a couple of years ago, we're talking about them getting back to the Super Bowl sooner rather than later. I'm also going to just throw a little dot out here. Cincy cornerback Ahmad Green, keep your eye on him. He's another guy I like in this spot. I just like the guy who is learning underneath Gary Patterson a little bit more. And I like the guy who no longer has Marcus Freeman call the plays for him just a little bit less. So it's really a dealer's choice there. I chose to go with TCU. All right, so number 25, let's go with the Indianapolis Colts. They're getting plus 2,200 to win the Super Bowl. I think you want to add to the pass rush, okay? I think that once you get your quarterback situation figured out, you understand what kind of offensive weapons you have. You know you got that monster in the middle that is Darius Leonard. Why don't we go get a dude that I think a lot of folks are sleeping on, but you're going to figure out real quick that he's great. Michigan defensive lineman Aiden Hutchinson, okay? So a Hutchinson didn't have the best 2020, but he had a pretty outstanding and dominant 2019. And as we know from this year's draft, having that one good year is all you need. You need that one good year of tape, whether it's Jamar Chase or Rondale Moore, you're going to be in a great spot. I also love Hutchinson's pedigree, okay? Hutchinson is the son of Chris Hutchinson, who also played at Michigan and was a captain for the team, all right? Indianapolis, just go up north, 
Go get you a guy from that team up north that was for you Ohio State fans and see what's really good. All right. So at the number 24 spot, we get the Jets via the Seattle Seahawks, who not unlike the Los Angeles Rams, just out here giving first round picks away because Jamal Adams. Matter of fact, this is for you, Seattle Seahawks fans. Go ahead and draft Jamal Adams three more times because that's essentially what you have done. You've drafted that man a total of three times, so that's four times that Jamal Adams has been drafted. Just going to throw that out there. And you know what? You have a similar need because the Jets have a similar need. I looked at this pass defense, and I said, why y'all so bad? Y'all gave up 34 passing touchdowns and picked off just 10 passes. Y'all gave up 4,400 yards through the air, okay? And it's not because you don't have pretty decent safeties. It's because you need help on the outside, right? You need guys that can take away half the field the way Darrell Revis could take away half the field, okay? Perhaps you go to the one school that has demonstrated over and over again, this is what they do. This is who they are. We put defensive backs into the NFL. We put them there in the first round, and they have great careers. Seven Banks at Ohio State is the guy I think you should go get, okay? Banks is going to be the heart and soul of that secondary. He has to be. And this year that I think is going to flip and turn around for them is they're going to have chances to play Latham Ransom and Ryan Watts, and you're going to get to figure out just how deep that secondary is once again under Kerry Combs. But the Jets also have the benefit of the doubt here in that they have more than one first-round pick because, cool, Jamal Adams wanted, wanted out, and y'all got money for him. Now go fix the defense and give your new quarterback an opportunity to go and win some football games, okay? At number 23, we got the Cleveland Browns, plus 2,200. So the Browns, I love. And I love them because now it doesn't feel like a Super Bowl is like, you know, more or less a dream. It feels real, right? It feels like something you can go out there and really hold with your hands, especially after what Baker Mayfield and the Browns did last year just to make the playoffs. First time since Belichick was their head coach. What do you need? Okay, you're good at wide receiver. You're getting better at offensive line. You got Nick Chubb in the backfield. What you need is somebody to pair with Miles Garrett on one side, your new free agent signing, and Jadavion Clowney. Who's going to be in the middle? Who is your stopper? Add another superstar, another super freak to the middle of that defense. That's why you go back to Alabama and you go get defensive tackle DJ Dale, who all he did was earn a starting job at nose tackle as a true freshman at Alabama, all right? And then it starts as a sophomore at nose tackle at Alabama. If we're talking about what's really good, we're talking about Dale, the way that we were talking about Quinn and Williams a couple of years ago. I don't know if Dale is going to be here at the end, but the reason that he might is because of his injury history. We'll see if that has anything to do with him sliding. But with another year, I think we're talking about him the way we were talking about Javon Kinlaw just a couple of years ago, okay? Browns, beef up the defense. And if, if, you really, if you really don't want to go get a defensive tackle, go get a linebacker, all right? I'm tired of hearing y'all talk about how y'all don't have any linebackers. I think you do, but if that's what you're really good, go get Mike Rose at Iowa State, okay? One of the best linebackers nobody was talking about. That one is free. Number 22, my Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, Jerry. Here, listen to me, man. Listen to me, man. Okay. Sean Lee retired. Okay. He, he gone. Okay. So where's the injury issues? 
Your man Leighton Van Der Esch, I don't, I don't know, man. He's game time decision every time he doesn't play enough. And your man Jalen Smith, who you did the right thing with, who you drafted, who y'all helped rehab, was the second leading tackler in the NFL last year with 154. Must have felt like he was out there by himself because he was, Jerry. Because he was. Can you please go get my man a running mate worthy of his talents? That's why I'm going to point you back to Alabama, the NFL factory. And I'm going to point you to Christian Harris in the middle. Christian Harris moved into duty as a freshman and then became the heart and soul of an outstanding defense as a sophomore with Dylan Moses beside him. Remember when we were talking about Dylan Moses as a first-round draft pick? Okay, now we talk about Christian Harris, who also showed out against Notre Dame. Yes, go get that man. Put him at the wheel. Put Jalen at the mic. Let's go to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, come on. I got Eagles fans around me talking noise. I can't, I can't live here, Jerry. I can't do it. Help me. I need out of this. All right? I was nine the last time they won a Super Bowl. Troy was still in the league the last time we won a Super Bowl. Troy's calling games with Joe Buck now, Jerry. Okay? I, I need this to change, dog. I love your team. I love your team. Please, go get this linebacker. All right, that's enough. Number 21, let's go to New Orleans Saints, plus 2,500 to win it all. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Jameis Winston is rehabilitated and he's going to beat out Taysom Hill for the starting job. I'm assuming Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. I'm assuming Taysom Hill goes to his natural position of slot receiver. I'm assuming you want to find somebody that you could put on the numbers that strikes fear in the heart of defenses the way that Michael Thomas did in 2019. That is why I'm going to tell you, go right ahead and get Justin Ross, okay? Justin Ross is coming off of a surgery, right? We get it, but he's gonna play some football. And if he can play some football, and he shows what he's capable of with DJ Uwe Ungalale throwing him passes. He's going to be there for you guys at number 21, okay? Go get a man that is capable of taking the heat off of Michael Thomas, taking the heat off of Taysom Hill, and letting Jameis Winston cook because that man got LASIK. He can see now. It's all right, right? I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. The Heisman Trophy winner, the national champ, he's going to get it going. Number 20, we got the Miami Dolphins at plus 2,800 to win it all. So, quiet as it's kept, the Dolphins was good in 2020. Like, they were 10 and 6. And I, I'm tired of people trying to act like they're a rebuilding project. No, they are a good football team with multiple draft picks. But what do they need, right? Where are the weaknesses in the Miami Dolphins? It ain't a corner, because Xavier Howard is that dude. 10 interceptions led the NFL in that stat last year. Where it is is that Minka Fitzpatrick's size hole that's still there. You gotta fill that. How do you fill that? You go get yourself a dominant safety and you go get yourself a dominant safety with ball hawking experience. That's why I think you go to Northwestern. Listen to me, Northwestern, and you get Brandon Joseph, okay? He gonna be draft eligible next year, but in nine games last year, six interceptions and one hell of a game against the Ohio State Buckeyes, all right? Ask Justin Fields about Brandon Joseph. He will let you know that dude's the truth, okay? Along with another dude we're going to talk about a little bit later. That secondary was legit, and I think that somebody is going to see what I see 
in Brandon Joseph, who I think is an early favorite for the Paycom Jim Thorpe Award. All right, so at number 19, Tennessee Titans, plus 2,900 to win it all. The defense is great against the run, but not particularly great against the pass. And it ain't the safety's fault. Okay, so, so what y'all need? Duh, a corner. And who's going to be here for you at 19, right? You look through the SEC, you look through the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, you come up with a number of candidates, but the guy I like the most that nobody's talking enough about is the guy that played opposite Marco Nelson at Florida. That's Kair Elim, okay? Six foot two, 190 pounds, can absolutely fly. This man is going to test outstandingly. And I think he is the most underrated defender, let alone corner, in the entire SEC. One of these Florida guys that I was telling you about that Kyle Trask is going to talk to us about. And one of the reasons why I think we're going to find out just how deep Dan Mullen's roster is and how well they have been recruiting. All right. Number 18, the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are in a very interesting spot. Plus 2,800 to win it all. They got what they needed wide out. Okay, we know that. Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, we get it. Deontay's a dude. They got what they need defensively. T.J. Watt led the league in sacks. You know where the Pittsburgh Steelers were absolutely abysmal? Where they're absolutely trash, just garbage, you know, in the French meaning of the word? <sighs> Y'all couldn't run the ball. Did you, 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 you see that? Because I saw that. I saw Ben Roethlisberger trying to chuck this ball over the yard, and I'm going, that ain't what Ben Roethlisberger does. That ain't what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. It's Steel City up there. Y'all are running football team. What happened? James Conner has gone to Arizona. That's one, right? But now I'm looking around going, who's your bell cow? Who's the guy you're going to hang your hat on? I don't know that you're going to have an answer for that in 21, but I know who you can get in 22. That is the best player. Iowa State University last year. Remember I talked about Brock Purdy? I'm going to talk about one more Iowa State player in here too. A lot of Iowa State love in this here mock draft, I'm telling you. But he's the first unanimous All-American in Iowa State history. Led the entire country in rushing yards at Iowa State, okay, running zone concepts. That's more rushing yards than Najee Harris. And you know how we feel about Najee Harris here at the number one ranked show. We love us some Najee Harris. But Brees Hall was that dude, okay? I look at Brees Hall, and I see him as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I say, you have a physical back. You have a back that you can give the ball to on first, second, and third down. You have a back who will catch the ball out of the backfield because that's what you need to. But mostly you have a dude that is going to embody everything that you're about in Pittsburgh. Okay? He's hard. He's physical. He comes from Wichita, Kansas. You know how many five-star recruits come out of Wichita, Kansas? You know how many great players come out of Wichita, Kansas that are just tough? Every other dude, whether it's Brees Hall, whether it's Marcus Hicks, whether it's Blake Bell. Oh, yeah, he got a Super Bowl ring, too. All right? Go get your Brees Hall. Fix that thing. Number 17, New England Patriots, plus 3,000 to win it all. We'll see about the quarterback situation. But we do know they're going to run a lot of 21 personnel. Okay? 21 personnel, two tight ends, one back. They got John U. Smith on one side. They got Hunter Henry on the other. And they got Nelson Aguilar on the outside. That, 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 mm. We'll see. Okay. The reason that I think the Patriots should go get a wide receiver is because if you can turn John U. Smith and Hunter Henry loose against man coverage, 
you get to open up your playbook again. It's no longer the 18-wheeler package with Cam Newton, okay? It's no longer hand the ball to Nick Chubb, okay? It's no longer hang our hat on defense. It's you get to go score again, okay? You get to run it up again. And who better to help you do that than another wide receiver? I get it, though. You're skittish. Patriots ain't been great drafting players in the Belichick areas, just not what they do. First wide receiver he ever took in the first round, Nikhil Harry, coming out of Arizona State. We're still waiting on that man to pay dividends. I think he will. That's why I think you go back to the well, though. You go get yourself another wide receiver, okay? You go get you the kind of guy that does nothing but go out there and make pl plays for you, okay? And the way I put this in perspective is Cornell Powell was talked about in this draft as a sleeper pick for how he performed at Clemson. Caught 53 passes in 12 games, right? Got that team to a college football playoff. You know how else caught 53 passes in six games? Another dude out of Purdue by the name of David Bell. You heard Rondell Moore talk about David Bell on the show. He told you that man was different. He had as many catches in six games as Cornell Powell had in 12? Yeah, man. Go get the Boilermaker out of West Lafayette, put him in Foxborough, go get some W's. All right, number 16, Los Angeles uh, Chargers, excuse me, plus 3,300. Okay, you had the rookie of the year at quarterback, which means that your next move is to build a fortress around that dude, okay? I get that you made some moves to help you do that, but I see nothing wrong with building a foundation, having a base of offensive linemen you could put in there in case somebody gets hurt, in case somebody goes down, and you want a little bit of versatility. You want a guy that can cover you at left guard, a guy to cover you at right tackle. Ha! Huh. Check out your man, RJ, who got you exactly what you need. Go back to Tuscaloosa. Go take a look at that offensive line. Go look at the underclassmen on it, okay? You're going to see Evan Neal. So Evan Neal earned starting time as a left guard as a true freshman. Then as a sophomore on this national championship team, they moved him over to right tackle. That is how versatile that man is. He can even play some left tackle for you, but he's also a mauler, right? He can really move men in front. And that's what you're going to need. You're going to need people that can keep dudes off of Justin Herbert and clear some running lanes for your running backs and see if you can't go to work, okay? Go get that dude out of Tuscaloosa. Number 15, Arizona Cardinals, plus 3,500 to win it. They are all in to try to win in 21. Okay, and I think they will be again in 22. You look at what they have offensively with DeAndre Hopkins, with Larry Fitzgerald, my goodness, with A.J. Green, and then I mentioned James Conner. What happens if Larry decides, you know, it's time to hang him up? And nobody would begrudge Larry Fitzgerald that, right? Larry's a legend. I mean, Larry's one of those dudes on NCAA at Pittsburgh, of all places. I mean, no disrespect to Pittsburgh, but y'all ain't exactly putting them dudes on covers. And then they'll be like, yo, R.J., Aaron Donald, he... He lives. He lives. All right. All right. Cool. I'll back up. But I do think you need a replacement for Larry Legend. And who better to go get than a guy that matches his description? Six foot three, about 195 pounds. Go get that man, George Pickens, out of Georgia. That man that was the offense for Georgia in 2019 and was acting like it until JT Daniels actually got the job in 2020. Now, he's going to be coming off an ACL injury. We don't know if he's going to play at all in 2021, but I have no doubt that that man can give you everything you want and need in Glendale with Kyler Murray throwing in passes. Go get a wide receiver that can replace 
perhaps the best wide receiver to ever play in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. All right, number 14, Minnesota Vikings, plus 5,000 to win it all. The whole thing with Daniil Hunter has me giving, I'm chuckling, right? I got the giggles because I, I really love this. I like hearing Mike Zimmer say we, we hope to have him back and we, can, we expect to have him back. And I like hearing him say, now nah, I want up out of here and I want to see who wins because that, that sort of drama just feeds my soul. You know, I'm here for the pettiness. But let's assume that Minnesota and Daniil Hunter find a place for him to go, whether it's via trade, release, what have you. You're going to need somebody that can replace that defensive end. Look right here where I am in Los Angeles, California. Go down to the Coliseum. There's a dude about six foot four, about 250. You'll know him when you see him because he's going to be in the backfield putting people on the ground. His name is Drake Jackson. Okay? Drake Jackson, 66 total tackles, 17 for loss, and last year in six games, en route to a Pac-12 championship berth, the man notched five and a half sacks, okay? Just trust me on this. Go watch a little bit of football in the Coliseum. Go get Drake Jackson. Number 13, the Atlanta Falcons, plus 5,000 win it all. Falcons, I get that y'all like offense. I know who Julio Jones is. I know who Calvin Ridley is. It ain't like Matty Ice ain't been that dude coming out of BC, even though I think you, you probably should have a succession plan for him as well. But you need is on the defensive line, okay? And the reason you need is on the defensive line, let me tell you who your best pass rusher was. Who the dude that had the most sacks in your team in 2021, or 2020, excuse me? It's Deion Jones. Now, the last time I looked, Deion Jones ain't supposed to be anybody's sack leader. I mean, that's no disrespect. That's just not what he's supposed to be doing. And then you look at the number, and it's 4.5. That's your sack leader. No, no, no. You got to get some edge, dog. You got to get somebody that can set an edge, dog. You got to get somebody that's going to be out there like Ivory Christian against the Carter Cowboys talking about this my edge. Go up there to West Lafayette. I'm telling you, they cooking up there, okay? Jeff Braun got something up there. He got something for people in the Big Ten West this year. And the reason I know that is not just because of David Bell, it's because of this dude, George Karlaftis. Been a huge Karlaftis fan since he was in high school, okay? George Karlaftis showed up as a true freshman, led the team with 17 tackles for loss, including seven and a half sacks, didn't have the best 2020, didn't really do much because they didn't have an opportunity to do much in 2020. I mean, COVID and then only playing six games, you know what it is. But... Karlaftis has all the tools to be great. Go get that man, bring him down to Atlanta, show him how you do it in Mechanicsville, turn that man into a monster. Okay, number 12, Carolina Panthers, plus 5,000 win it all. They got some monsters at safety. Jeremy Chin, a dude. And no, I'm not into the offense thing, right? I, I, don't, I don't want to go get offensive players in the draft. It's not what I want to do. I need to be able to play defense. I get you got McCaffrey. I get you got DJ Moore. I get you got Curtis Samuels. You need defense. You need a corner that's going to help Jeremy Chan lock down one half of that field. So why not do yourself a favor, go back to Alabama, see who the CB1 is, see that it's Josh Job, and go sign that man up, okay? Because that man had to be who he is last year. As offensive coordinators looked at Pat Sertan the second and said, uh, no, no thanks. No thanks. We're going to throw at this guy, and you still are able to win a national championship? You're still able to hold people in check? Yes, that is a man you want on your football team. That is a man who is battle-tested. All right, number 12. Number 11, excuse me, Chicago Bears, 
plus 5,500. All right. <clears throat> Andy Dalton is not a long-term plan. That is the nicest thing I could say about the quarterback situation. It's also the truth, okay? His age prevents it, okay? The red rifle was throwing passes when I was in college. I'm 33. Put it that way. And after the misses of Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, I mean, we can keep going. And then you, you went and you got Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to bring it up because you did it. You swung for Russell Wilson. You missed. You, you told everybody that Andy Dalton's QB1. All right. I'm going to add for you in parentheses for the time being. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that for you. And I'm going to tell you, if De'Aaron King shows who he is at Miami, shows the guy he was two years ago at Houston, that's your man. That's your man, okay? He was a 3,000-yard passer at Houston and a 1,000-yard rusher in the same year. Showed up to Miami. They named him the starter quick, fast, and in a hurry. And he had them looking like a New Year's Six team until they got, you know, actually healed by the Tar Heels. Showed up in the Cheez-It Bowl, blows out his ACL. He expects to be back. Perhaps it's on time for the Alabama game. If he shows out against the Alabama defense, he goes for something like 300, 100, you better go get him because he'll be there for you, okay? This is a dude that kept Kyle Trask on the bench in high school, and y'all know how we feel about Kyle Trask here. Pretty doggone good. But De'Aaron King is different. Go Help me help you, Chicago. Help me help you, okay? Go draft this man so we can say nice things about your quarterback situation. All right, number 11, or number 10, excuse me, Washington football team. The team, Taylor Heineke, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. As cool as Fitzmagic is, and as cool as what Heineke was able to do in the playoffs was, I, I, I dare say that's not the quarterback you want. I dare say, like Andy Dalton, he's not your long-term plan. You know who's going to be there? I think the dude out of Georgia who was throwing for all the yards against a Cincinnati Bearcat defense that was absolutely outstanding heading into the Peach Bowl, one JT Daniels. Now, there's not a whole hell of a lot of tape on JT Daniels, and I get that. Sometimes he stares down his wideouts, but he's going to learn because he got Todd over there, okay? He got Todd Munkin telling him what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. He's going to have Kiaris Jackson. He's going to have Jermaine Burton. He's going to have this athletic marvel that is Darnell Washington. I can't wait for y'all to see more of this man. Six foot seven, 260. They line him up on the numbers. And he's going to have this bevy of tailbacks. He's going to show you what you can have at the team. So pair JT Daniels with Terry McLaurin, and let's see what y'all can do. I like where you're headed. All right. Number nine, the Las Vegas Raiders, my mama's team. Mama, I'm sorry about you. You know, that's what it is. I love that they got one of my guys out there. And by my guys, I mean from the, or not from the University of, but from Tulsa, right? Went to a Tulsa public school. I went to Tulsa public school, showed up at Alabama, became a first round draft pick. That is one Josh Jacobs. But I look at the defense and I see that's Cleveland Farrell over there. That's Max Crosby over there. Who is that in the middle? I don't, I don't, is that, is that Solomon Thomas? Okay, um, sure. Wait, is that Quentin Jefferson? I. Is that Jonathan Hankins? Hey, y'all got any stars? No? Okay, well, the, I, I got one for you. I, I got one for you, okay? Perhaps what you do, right, is you go and get 
a man in the middle that is absolutely going to show you who he is once again. Coming out of Texas A&M, one DeMarvin Leal. Leal so good, he picked off a pass against Alabama and set up the team to go score at defensive tackle. Okay? You're going to hear the man's name a lot. He's fifth, he's fifth on the team in tackles over the course of the season at the defensive tackle spot. So not only getting in the backfield, he's also bringing people down. That's ridiculous. Number eight, Denver Broncos, plus 7,000 to win it all. I think you need to find somebody that's going to help you replace one. Von Miller, when it's time, when it's time. Bradley Chubb, when it's time, when it's time. Draymond Jones in the middle. I like it. I think you can add to it. A guy that nobody seems to know or care to know, and I can't, I can't understand it. As, as a wise man, my man John told me, am, am, am I smart or is everybody else stupid? Because I look at Will McDonald, and I saw 10 and a half sacks in 2020. I'm sorry, what? I saw the only player among the Power Five inside the top five in sacks over the course of a season? Are you kidding? At Iowa State? Would he run three-man fronts? That man was a sophomore? One of two sophomores on the All-Big 12 first team. Now, let the man learn how to actually rush against the pass, or excuse me, uh, rush against the run, and we, we in business here. So go get that man. Get him. He will be there for you. He has another year like he had in 2020, though. He might not, but I'm, I'm, I'm slotting him to you, Denver. You're welcome. Number seven, let's go with the Philadelphia Eagles, plus 7,000 to win it all. Y'all been looking for somebody since Malcolm Jenkins that can actually, you know, help you in the middle. I mean, I hear to talk about Jalen Hurts. I know that Miles is your guy. I know that people want somebody other than Jalen Rager at wide receiver. I get all of that. I get that Fletcher Cox is also a dude that is over 300 pounds doing 21 pull-ups. Maybe take advantage of that man's ability to pass rush by giving him a safety that can come over the top. And a winner. Because Kyle Hamilton coming out of the Atlanta area and then up to Notre Dame has done nothing but be that guy. One of the best athletes in the sport, period. Okay? He is going to be there as a Paycom Jim Thorpe Award finalist. I'm telling you, I think he's that good. I got to see him up close at Sanford against Georgia. Really outstanding player. And I love this. He's got Marcus Freeman calling plays for him. Marcus Freeman is the architect of that Cincinnati defense that was so outstanding last year. Now he's got the kind of studs they get at Notre Dame, and one of them is Kyle Hamilton. Expect to hear a lot of Kyle Hamilton over the next year. Okay, number six, New York Giants, plus 7,000 to win it all. It's real simple for me, okay? I don't want to talk about Daniel Jones. I can talk about what, what y'all call him, Danny, what, Danny Dimes? I call him Danny Milktoast, uh, Danny Fumbles. Okay, but, but that's beside the point. I could talk about Saquon. That'd be cool, right? My man Sterling, he out there catching passes. We could talk about that. We could talk about what you could add. But what you need is a pass rush, okay? Y'all were dead last in pass rush win rate in 2020. 32 out of 32, that's, that, eh, eh, that ain't gonna work. That's, that's stanky, that's stanky. So why not just go up to Ohio State's defensive line room? Go knock on Larry Johnson Sr.'s door and straight up ask him, yo, man, who's the heir to Chase Young, to the Bosa brothers, to Vernon Golston? You got one of those? Yes, I do, he will say. I have six foot six, Zach Sachs Harrison. All right, so Zach ain't been the dude 
production-wise that we wanted him to be, but 2020 was a stupid year for all the reasons that you know. And he's back here after watching Jonathan Cooper go to the NFL. He's going to have Tyreek to grow up. He's going to have a number of Jack Sawyer to grow up, but it's going to be his defensive line. And he is one of the great prospects of his class. I expect him to be there. It's an easy decision for you. Go get the Ohio State defensive end du jour. That is Zach Harrison. Number five, Jacksonville Jaguars, plus 8,000 to win it all. Maybe should be a little bit higher, but that's just me. I think there's a lot of ways you can go here, right? You know, your quarterback situation is solved. You can find wide receivers. You fell into a really great tailback. I love LaVisca Chenault, by the way, when I said you could find wide receivers. And you got Miles Jack playing in the middle. Love me some Miles Jack, right? Another dude from L.A., went to UCLA. I think the move here is to go get another pass rusher to stack with Kayvon Chasen and Josh Allen. Somebody you could really platoon in there, get a little bit skinnier, get a little bit faster. Why not go get 6'5", 250-pound Kayvon Thibodeau? Another dude, not unlike George Karlaftis, that I have loved since he was in high school. Okay, seven games last year. Just seven games. Man had nine and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, three pass breakups. And when you look at him, you'll see he's still filling out. He looks like he's playing basketball out there. But at one point was the number one rated player in the country coming out of high school. That good. All right. Number four, New York Jets are on the clock plus 8,500. Quarterback situation is the quarterback situation. I told you to go address the secondary situation a little bit early on. But I think what you're going to need is somebody who's going to grow with your quarterback. I think what you need is somebody with a sure set of hands. And I think what you need is the most talented receiver and perhaps the most talented wide receiver room. Like, for me, it's Oklahoma 1A and then it's Ohio State 1B. And if I'm going 1B, I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson because I've seen Garrett Wilson, right? I haven't seen enough of Jaden Hazelwood. I haven't seen enough of Theo Weiss, two Oklahoma wide receivers. I've seen a lot of Garrett Wilson. I saw Gary Wilson show out in the game as a true freshman. The man was so good, he had him returning punts, had him changed out of his jersey, okay? The man famously said, playing high school football in Austin, Texas. Why are you going to go to Texas? Because I wanted to be developed. Yo! All right, put that into context. The Ohio State Buckeyes have not had a first-round wide receiver drafted since 2007, Okay? 2007, Ted Ginn was one of those two dudes, all right? And we all know that Ted Ginn feels like he's going to be playing football forever, like of the Daryl Green variety, right? But I think with Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, I'll throw his name out there, you're going to see that streak broken because Garrett Wilson is showing what Brian Hartline is building in that wide receiver room. They're really good, and he's one of the best of it. I think it's going to be one of those no-doubters the way that Jamar Chase was a no-doubter in 21. All right, number three. Cincinnati Bengals. So, I think you are sure about who your wide receivers are. I think you're sure about who your tight end is. I think you're sure about who your quarterback is. I would like to see what Cincinnati looks like with a dominant secondary because you already went in on this, okay? You got Mike Hilton in free agency. You got Jadobia Woozy in free agency. Now, add the best defender and quite honestly, one of the best players available in this 2022 draft to that pair. Get yourself a nice little trio of don't throw the ball over here or we might snatch it out the air. 
That includes LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. So Stingley Jr. has been my favorite corner for two years now. Shows up as a true freshman on a national championship team. Not only wins a starting cornerback job, but is back there returning punts like the man's name is Pat Peterson. Okay? Is out there saying, no, this is my island. Like Tyrion Matthew. And we know how LSU feels about their DBs. They take a little bit, take a, take a little bit to the chest when I tell them, hey, the receipts say that Ohio State is DBU, not you. Receipts say that Alabama got more called to DBU than you. Hey, they're like, RJ, you, this dude Stingley Jr. though. This is what we do. This is who we are. Man was so good that Dave Aranda saw him as an early enrollee in December 2017, excuse me, 2018, and said, I wanted to play him against Central Florida, and I couldn't. He was that far ahead. And you saw what it looked like 2019. 2020 was not the best year, but I don't think he needs to have a great 21 year for people to feel like he's CB1 going into the 2022 draft. All right, number two, according to the odds, winning the Super Bowl, plus 12,500, the Detroit Lions, who, at least right now, are going to have picks. But like Andy Dalton is not a long-term strategy, like Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a long-term strategy, like Jared Goff is not a long-term strategy, you need to go get a quarterback, okay? If you think it's Goff, fine. But I saw, you know, Bill Belichick get to the Super Bowl See the Sean McVay is out there in that man's ear, and I had to nickname him the remote control because all of a sudden it didn't seem like he knew where to go with the football. That's that's bad. That, 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 that's bad. I need to do it out there that can run it. I need to do it out that that go out there right away and go get me a W. And that's exactly what Sam Howell did at North Carolina. You could actually not point to Mac Brown, though Mac Brown is the only active college football Hall of Fame coach. Still coaching today, which basically means that Nick Saban hasn't taken any time off. You can look at Sam Howell for that. And the reason I say that is because Mac will say that himself. Sam Howell made it okay for blue chip players to pick North Carolina again. It's such a big deal. And not only did he make it okay when he flipped from Florida State to North Carolina, he made it okay by setting records. He's a freshman All-American, had over 3,800 yards passing. He has 3,500 yards passing this year with about 30 tutties. Yes, he will supplant himself as the number two overall quarterback in this draft, which leads me to number one team, at least in the NFL draft 2022, according to Fox Bets Odds, plus 15,000 to win it all, your Houston Texans. Now, we know that Deshaun Watson wanted out, and now the Texans might be obliged to give him what he wants for reasons that you know. But we also know that Terod Taylor like Jared Goff, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Andy Dalton, it's not a long-term plan for the Houston Texans at quarterback. So go get you a dude who is. Go get you a dude who whips it like Mahomes, who set state record for passing yards in a career, who was the number one rated quarterback in his class, who took his team to a Cotton Bowl and then beat up a Florida team that later we found out didn't actually want to be there. Go get Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, okay? You know what Lincoln Riley's pedigree is in developing quarterbacks. 
You know that Baker Mayfield won a Heisman Trophy and was number one overall pick. You know that Kyler Murray won a Heisman Trophy and was number one overall pick. You know that Jalen Hurts was a Heisman finalist and went in the second round, making Oklahoma the first team in the common draft era to have a quarterback selected in the first or second round in three consecutive drafts. Go get the guy that we've all been waiting to see. Can Lincoln Riley develop him? Can he develop a guy from the jump into the kind of guy Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts turned out to be? Yes is the answer. But with an Oklahoma team built around him that is built to win a championship today, he's going to have to prove that. Okay? If he receives an invitation to the Heisman ceremony in December, you'll know the answer to that question. That is the best player in this NFL draft. According to me, according to some, but yes, the best player on what I think is going to be the best team in 2021. All right, that is my way too early 2022 NFL mock draft. Please send all your hate mail to at RJ underscore Young. Send it to at number one show on the Twitters. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I do like to hear from you, and y'all are fond of telling me what you think. Okay? Tell me what you think about this Kyle Trask conversation because this was a lot of fun, and I really enjoy doing it. All right, let's go talk to Kyle. Kyle Trask, welcome to the number one ranked show. Thanks so much for joining us. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my privilege. And I want to start with this, right? I got to know you through recruiting, right? Back in Manville. What was it like for you to go through this recruiting process with De'Aaron King being in front of you and then find yourself to Florida? Um, it was a crazy journey to say the least, you know, just having that, um, you know, Derek King at the same school, the same class um, back in Manville, Texas. Um, I think it was one good way for both of us to really you know, push each other and always have that competitive nature in the air. And it was the same thing when I got to, you know, Florida with Felipe, um, we came in the same class. We're always competing with each other every day. And I think, you know, it helped all three of us in the end. So, you have what I think of as a unique problem that only a privileged few have. You play with studs, okay? You play with guys like Trayvon Grimes and Kadarius Tony, and, of course, Kyle Pitts. What do you think it is that people are missing about your game? You know, I, I can't tell you that. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure how to answer that. But, um, yeah, like you said, I got the privilege to play with a ton of great talent at Florida. And I think what really made us special was – you know, how close we were off the field. And it really translated to, you know, how we feed off each other on the field. And we were able to go up against, you know, some of the top competition and still produce no matter what. So one of the things I learned in preparing for this interview was just your lineage, right? With your granddad, Orville Trask, playing for the Houston Oilers. How many people do you tell about that? Like, how does that not just get aired out? Uh, yeah, no one really asked me about it too much, so it doesn't really come out much, but uh, it's it's, um, it's down there somewhere if you do some digging. But yeah, my grandpa played for the Oilers, you know, back in the 60s, and he was kind of my role model at, at a young age to start playing football and someone that I always looked, to, uh, looked up to, you know, growing up. So you win the Tyler Rose Award for the best player in college from the state of Texas, right? And Earl Campbell, of course, played for those Oilers. 
What does it mean for you to be able to bring that home? Oh, it's incredible. Um, to get that award, you know, that's something that means a lot to me and my family, especially the Earl Campbell Award in particular. You know, my grandpa playing for the Oilers would always, you know, watch that whole era uh, with Earl Campbell playing. He would tell me all the stories about how he would, you know, just be like a freight train coming up the middle and just how explosive of a player he was. So then to, you know, you know, later on in life, getting this award uh, directly from him, uh, it's incredible. So winning that award, putting up more than 4,000 yards passing, throwing for all the touchdowns you threw for, tell me why you didn't decide to go to the Senior Bowl and show out. Yeah, so I actually you know, had a high ankle sprain there um, towards the end of the season, and I was still you know, just playing through it um, for the remainder of those games, the past three games. And then um, I was kind of just doing a bunch of rehab. My main focus after the season was just to get healthy because you can't do anything if you're not healthy. So if I went to the senior bowl, I'd have missed out on a whole week of rehab. And, you know, like I said, my main goal is getting healthy as fast as I could. And that would be limiting that. And, you know, luckily now, um, you know, me and the PT I've been working with, we crushed the rehab and, you know, back to 100%. So you are 100%. You feel healthy. You feel ready to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The thing that I wanted to really stress was just how much <laughs> you had to work to get onto a football field in high school and in college with two athletic guys, Derek King and, of course, Felipe Franks. How do you keep the faith in yourself and your ability to really start at the FBS level and start for the Gators? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just – you know, my family, my mom instilling that work ethic in me at a young age, um, you know, always giving it all, no matter what the situation is. And that's just something that I took with me, um, you know, to take this adversity struggles that you mentioned, you know, head on whenever I wasn't playing a whole lot. Um, you know, I just kept the faith and kept my head down and kept grinding because I knew, you know, one day I'm going to get an opportunity. And that's what I always told myself I was very optimistic. And I just kept grinding. Um, every single day and you know luckily I got that chance and I just had to make the most of it what is it that makes that triple k so lethal during 2020 when I say triple k I mean Kadarius Kyle and Kyle between the three of you guys it was nothing you couldn't do but what in particular made you guys so good I think it was just you know you know how close we were off the field you know having that bond with each other and being able to you know, be around each other and play with each other for the past like two or three years um, having that chemistry and, you know also um, you know the coaches doing a great job of putting us in positions to be successful you know moving pits around and uh, KT and you know Grimes just getting great matchups for us um, that are going to be in our favor and then it just was on us to go execute. Kyle Pitts is being called one of the greatest tight end prospects of all time We'll see about that. Do you think of that dude as a tight end? I think of him as anything you want him to be. I mean, <laughs> he's obviously one of the top tight end prospects in the past. I don't know how long. And, you know, in my book, I think he's, you know, arguably, you know, the best prospect out there. I mean, the dude's a freak. Um, being able to be around him for the past um, three years and seeing what he's blossomed into, I can't. I mean, there's no way a team wouldn't love to have that on their team. Did you ever have a play in the playbook where you were just like, I'm going to just throw it up to Kyle and see what happens? 
<laughs> you know, see, a lot of people think that, but no, I always, you know, uh, you know, put it through to Kyle if it was a good matchup for us or if, you know, maybe the defender had his back turned to me and he couldn't see the ball coming, I'd put it in a place where I knew Kyle could go up and make a play. Um, you know, like I said before, the coach is doing a great job of putting us in positions to succeed and, you know, moving him around and getting those matchups. Um, and, yeah, we just did a great job of execution, and here we are now. So they're currently having a quarterback derby at UF. Tell us about those guys, in particular dudes like Emory Jones and what they are capable of in this 21 season. Yeah, I mean, Emory Jones, you've seen him play the past couple of years. He's came in and done a great job um, whenever his number is called upon. And, you know, it has a lot of experience um, playing for the past two or three years, I believe. And I think, you know, the, f- the future is very bright for Florida football. Is there a favorite story you have that you can tell us about Coach Mullen? <laughs> Man, I get I get asked that question quite a bit, and I can't really think of anything off the top of my head because there's just you know so many you know funny moments with him. But you know what I will say is you know playing with Coach Mullen was you know some of the funnest times of my life. Just um, he's very uh, uh, he's very much a player's coach, uh, very fun coach to play for, and I'm just very grateful that you know. You know, he gave me that opportunity uh, back in 2019 and, you know, let me run with it. The game you guys played against LSU is one of my favorite for a number of reasons, but I'm going to ask you straight up, what did you think when Marco Nelson threw that shoe? I mean, obviously, um, you know, it was a very intense point in the game. And, you know, Coach Mullen always wants us to be very highly competitive and I can tell just he was super fired up. Um, and obviously, you know, I know he's spoken on his behalf, so I'll leave it at that. But, you know, Marco is a very um, explosive player, a very hard worker. He stays after practice every single day. And, you know, like you said, you saw him at Pro Day, put him crazy numbers. And, you know, I think, you know, he was a great teammate, a, a leader on the defense. And I think his future is very bright as well. Yeah, man, something like a 43-inch vert and 4.3 speed, that dude can fly. I mean, and you were around a bunch of guys that could fly. How intense was that, were those practices where you would go against the first team D from time to time? It was great. I mean, you got some of the top players all over the field, you know, going against each other every single day. And that was my favorite period in practice was at the very end when you got good on good, 11 on 11. Um, you, You go see if you can put it all together. And at the end of the day, we're all getting better. You know, we got the best players going against each other on the field. Um, that's how you want it to be. You want to you want to have that competitive nature of practice. Um, you know, always grinding and you know taking another step. Um, you know, brick by brick. And I think we did a great job of that. What's the most memorable game of your career at Florida? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, there's. Tons of memorable games. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, Auburn uh, 2019 and playing down in Death Valley, and obviously the SEC championship. But for me, the most special one was uh, winning the SEC East and, you know, beating Georgia. Uh, you know, you know, Florida-Georgia is such a huge game in the SEC East. And to be preparing um, as much as we did for that game, because, you know, we know we're the basically the two top dogs in the, in the East as of, you know, last year. And we knew we had to beat Georgia – and you know we got down early and nobody even flinched and we just kept fighting and we played a heck of a game and 
um, to, you know, go and finish out the rest of the season and officially win the East. And, that, you know, that's our main goal at the beginning of the season is win the East. It's on all of our marker boards. So to actually, you know, go beat Georgia and have a great season and actually win the East and accomplish our goal, um, you know, it's a very memorable experience for me. Um, all right, so you a Texas dude. I'm an Oklahoma dude. That's where I'm from. We know something about a rivalry here. But what is it about Florida and Georgia that sticks out to you that people just don't know about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, they split the stadium right down the center. I mean, one whole half is blue, one whole half is red. And it's just, you know, two top dogs in the SEC going at it um, at a neutral location. So, you know, everybody, you know, there's probably thousands. I mean, I don't know, there's probably millions of people out there at the, like you said, the world's largest cocktail party. Um, and it's just a crazy environment, um, just very intense. And I think it's one of the greatest, um, you know, games to play in, in college football. As I understand it, you grow up with a Tim Tebow poster on your wall. Is it still there? Yeah, I haven't been home in a while. I'm sure it's still up there. I mean, I got I'm a, I was a big Tebow fan growing up. I wore number 15 when I was like in seventh grade in middle school. Um, so yeah, I had you know a couple posters up my wall from like you know old Sports Illustrated magazines and things like that. But uh, so yeah, that story is true. I'm, I'm sure it's still up on my wall. Has he reached out to you? Have you spoken with him? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tebow's been a uh, He's always been around, um, you know, having Mullen being his old quarterback coach, you know, back in the day, you know, Tebow would, you know, come around and throw with the, throw us up, excuse me, throw with us in the off season. And, um, and he's a really, you know, a great help just to see things from his perspective, um, you know, how he saw things when he played the game. This is going down as a very deep quarterback class and we'll see how good you guys are in a few years. Are you close with any of the guys in this QB class? Yeah, I mean, um, working out in Irvine, California over this offseason with uh, 3D QB, uh, I got the chance to work with some of the top, you know, prospects in this draft. We had me, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, KJ Costello, and just a very competitive group of guys. And, you know, we all kind of you know, grew a, a bond with each other, uh, you know, just being out there with each other every single day. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're you know, very competitive out there. And I think that really helped us out in the end. Getting to be around those guys and compare notes at this very high level of quarterback play, what have you learned from each of those guys? And what have they been inspired to learn from you? Um, you know, I'm not particularly sure, you know, um, you know, what they've learned from me. But, you know, I definitely, you know, just watching them um, and just seeing how we all, how we all practice. Because, you know, to get to this level, like you have to, um, you know, have a, a high self-discipline. And I can tell, you know, all these these top quarterbacks whenever you work out with them, you know, there's a lot of great self-discipline that goes on. And, you know, it's probably why we've gotten to where we are. But, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, this is just the beginning. When you're preparing to play quarterback, one of the things that I have been told is that you go and watch a lot of other quarterbacks, particularly guys that are similar to you. Which quarterbacks were you watching to help you prepare to be the guy you are? Are you talking about like NFL guys or, or what? It's an open-ended question. Okay. Well, I mean, I never really watched – I mean, growing up, I was a huge Peyton Manning fan, you know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. You know, growing up watching those guys, I always try to like 
you know, as a, as a young kid coming up through football, I always try to like mold my, my arm angles and stuff like that after them and their footwork and things like that. Um, but when I got to college, it was more about, you know, watching defenses and different schemes that we're going to be facing and just, you know, having all the answers for that. Okay. So what did you learn about different defenses and coverages that perhaps you didn't know in high school? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge jump when you go, especially in the film room from high school to college. You know, high school, you're kind of watching the game tape and you see, you know, very simple things they're doing. Um, but college is a whole other level, and I'm sure NFL is another leap uh, beyond that. But, you know, college is just, you know, mainly they got all, you know, the you know, quality control guys and whatever to have all the percentages of what we're going to see. Um and just being able to take notes and make the connections when you're on the field and, you know, get us in the right play. I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but at the end of the day, it's all about execution. You can see one thing on film, but you still got to go out there and execute the play. How do you know when you're dialed in to knowing what the defense is trying to do and knowing how to exploit the weaknesses you see? I mean, I just think that comes with routine. I mean, you always want to be dialed in. Um, come Saturday in college. I mean, that just comes with preparation. You got to be, you know, confidence comes with preparation. Um, you know, personally, that's how I feel about it. If I'm super prepared for a game, then I'm not even thinking about anything else once I'm out there on Saturday. I'm dialed in, like you said, and I'm just, you know, confident in the game plan. And like I said before, it's all about execution. You just got to go out there and do your thing. Is there one game in particular that you would point people to to say, this is who I am, this is the kind of quarterback that I can be in the NFL? I mean, yeah, we had a number of great games this past year. I mean, I think some of my top games, obviously we'd love to win, but I think, you know, as an offense, we all played well versus Alabama. Like I said, Georgia was a great one for us, and you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss. I mean, we had a number of great games. But, you know, definitely, like, the Georgia game and the Alabama game, we're going to get some top dogs in the SEC. I think, you know, um, we definitely showed out as an offense for sure and put up a lot of points. Who's the best competitor that you've ever been around? Um, you know, I think uh, I'll, I'll keep it in the quarterback world. I mean, me and Felipe, were, we were you know, great competitors, so – um, and he was a great competitor. We have, um, oh, it's a great question. I mean, you're playing at the, you know, top level in college football, you're around, you know, you got to be a great competitor to get to that point. And luckily for me, uh, I've seen tons of great talent come from this school and I've been able to pick up things from a list of great competitors that have came through. Do you have a welcome to Florida football moment where it became real to you? whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember my very first um, – it was an off-season, you know, OTA little practice, and we were doing like a little uh, seven-on-seven. And I was like 17-year-old kid, early enrollee, spring, you know, OTA, whatever. So I'm out there, and I'm like thinking I'm looking people off, and I throw a slant route, and – Marcus made picks me off like pick six, like very first play. So I'm like, oh, okay, so um, I'm not where I think I am. So it's just, you know, one of those uh, welcome to Florida football moments, I guess. So knowing that the game was moving that fast and that the defense that you were playing against was that good, 
How do you overcome that challenge? What do you, what do you do? What are the next steps to going, okay, I'm not where I need to be? Um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of, not a lot at that point, but you need to have self-reflection and be like, okay, well, we got to take it to another step. Because obviously in high school, um, there's not as much, I would say, like mental preparation in terms of film and notes and things like that as, as there is in college. Um, and luckily for me, I got to be a lot of, around a lot of great coaches and um, a lot of older quarterbacks whenever I got into the room with, you know, Luke Del Rio and Austin Appleby being there and seeing how they prepared. You know, they were seniors at the time and um, seeing how they took notes. Um, so, yeah, I was able to see what it took to take that next step you know, at that point in time. So I tried to, you know, pick up as – uh, many pieces from other people and, you know, bring it into, you know, my preparation routine and go from there. What have you learned about yourself throughout this really weird process we call leading up to the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of, you know, patience and self-discipline. And I've definitely, um, I always thought I had great self-discipline and um, it was just a chance for me to, you know, really, you know, you go off in California by yourself and, you know, um, I think I definitely proved to myself that I can, you know, be successful um, with self-discipline and not having to have a, you know, structure in place. Like, you know, when you're in college, you got a lot of people doing stuff for you. Um, but, you know, when you're, you're in the draft process, a lot of it's on your own and you have a lot more freedom. And, you know, one of my main goals was to lose, like 10 to 15 pounds before pro day. And I did that. Um, you know, a lot of self-discipline, like I said, you know, um, comes from, I, I did a lot of, you know, chicken and rice and, you know, cardio and stuff like that while still maintaining my strength. Um, I definitely proved to myself that, you know, I can, you know, um, have that self-discipline and still be successful. Well, no, that's a, that's a very good point. One of the things that is difficult to get out is, just how structured the environment is in in college, right? With, the, with your strength coach knowing where you're going to be, how you're going to be there, knowing when you're going to have practice, when you're going to be in class, and now you're having to do those things on your own. How did you adapt? What were some of the first steps you made for yourself? Um, you know, lately for me, I, I wouldn't necessarily say adapting because, you know, I, I love the grind. I love all this, uh, you know, preparation, working out, and, you know, throwing with the guys, Um but obviously there's going to be a little bit of a change because you're out in a new place, you know, meeting new people, but, you know, that just comes with the territory. But for me, you know, I always knew I had that self-discipline, so I didn't really have to adapt to anything besides just, I've never been in California before, so I guess I had to adapt to that, um, that I'm so used to this humidity down here in Florida. But, you know, luckily for me, I was able to, you know, uh, have a very, you know, strict diet regimen and, um, you know, go ahead and lose 15 pounds and uh, feel great. So now that this is almost here, how do you feel going into the NFL draft? Do you feel better than you did when you started? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, being around, you know, 3DQB and all the guys that we have at Rep 1 um, and hearing their experiences and kind of what to expect going in. Um, and you know, like I said, 3DQB having John Beck, um, you know, former NFL quarterback, tell us, you know, stories and, uh, you know, certain offensive schemes and defenses that 
are common in the NFL right now and just being, you know, very prepared. I feel a lot better now than I did at the beginning, of course, because I have a lot more information now. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to keep an open mind because, you know, the draft can get crazy. You don't know where you're going to end up. So I'm just keeping a very open mind and um, I'm just looking forward to wherever I get the opportunity to go. What's going to be your first purchase with Game Check? Um, man, I might have to get myself a set of wheels because I've been scooting around here um, in Gainesville and college on a little moped. So I have to get me a, a car to drive around in. What, you got your eye on something? Is there is there a car you're looking about? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I'm kind of just chilling right now. And when the time I'm is saying, right, dog, I'll do like, it. You from Texas, you got to get a truck. I mean, I got a truck. I'm from Oklahoma. You're not going to get a truck? Oh, I'm 100% getting a truck. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Trask, thank you so much for joining us here on the number one ranked show, and I wish you so much success at the next level. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Kyle Trask, I really enjoyed getting to know him and getting to talk with him. I expect him to have a really long and, well, I hope, fruitful career in the NFL that is going to do it for this show please tweet us your questions what topics do you want me to take on in the world of college football as that is where we are headed once again with the NFL draft wrapping up as always I am imploring you if you use the Apple podcast app leave a five-star review okay write something I don't know funny write something enlightening leave me a question let's interact on that thing You can follow the show on all of your podcast apps, and I can't wait to hear from you. All right, that is it for me. Doses.